Welcome to the Hamumu Halloween Home Horror Hoedown, the podcast where we watch scary movies so you don't have to. From award-winning to completely unknown, we take them all way too seriously. I'm your host, Mike Hommel. And I'm your host, Solange Hommel. Now warning, we use a ghoulish number of spoilers, so watch the movies first. Second warning, we don't know anything about anything, so don't take us seriously as we take these movies seriously. Warning, this is a movie you probably should see without spoiling if you want to see it. I'll tell you, you want to see it if you like mystery, thriller, crime, Lots of twists. Uh-huh. You think you're seeing one thing, it turns out it's something else. This is that kind of movie. It's got like five different twists in it. And so we're going to be spoiling it very badly. Yes. Please watch first. One other thing to note is it feels slow in the beginning. Get through it. There's a lot of mysteries. Yes. They got to ask a lot of questions. Get through it. It will make sense eventually. Okay. I see you. 2019 is the movie we watched. It is. Again. Um, yeah. (laughs) This is the thing. I still can't definitively say I've seen this before, but actually I can. Because you watched it like last week. I watched it a couple days ago and then was like, you have to watch this movie. This is the soliest movie I've ever seen. So then definitely that's at least my second viewing this time. Here's the thing. I can definitively tell you that this was actually your third viewing because... How do you know I was there? Because I wouldn't watch this movie without <laughs> you. Like this, I don't watch horror movies alone. But what if they're super solely? I would not have watched this movie without you. So halfway through, yes, you heard that correctly, my friends. Halfway through this movie that I had no recollection of whatsoever, I realized that I have every recollection of everything that happened in the second half of the movie. <laughs> I have seen this movie before. So I I am telling you that we both watched it together at some point in the past. Yeah. And it was a while because I have referred to, in conversation and perhaps even in these podcast reviews, oh, no. I have referred to the movie where there was someone living in the house. I only learned about this concept from this movie. <laughs> And then you watched it a couple days ago, and then we watched it yesterday. What's weird is that means this movie is very unmemorable. Except that it's also super memorable, because it is one of those things that, like, it's in my head. And I do think Mm. about the second half of this movie on a regular basis. Literally any time someone tells me that something odd is happening in their house that they can't explain, (laughs) this movie comes to mind. But yeah, this movie, which... You could also ascribe that to the open house, but you'd be so sad if you did. Yeah, we don't want anyone to watch the open house. Do not do that. And it's different. Like, here we go with all the, like, all the spoilers are coming out now. Yeah. There's nothing new to me about the open house style of someone goes into, you know, sneaks into someone else's house for the purpose of murdering them. Yeah. Like... That happened. That's that's just just crime. Like that happens, right? It's just crime. The idea that there is a subset of people who sneak into other people's houses and hide in the spaces we don't go into generally. 
the basements, the attics, the like weird closets, the whatever hidden rooms and just live there Mm -hmm. coming out at night or when we're gone to like whatever, use the facilities or grab food from your fridge or sit on your porch or whatever, and then go back and hide. And they're not there for nefarious purposes. They're just subletting part of your house without (laughs) your permission. Yeah. Like that, when we saw this movie the first time, blew my mind and literally created an ongoing fear in my brain. Reasonable. It's kind of weird because if you did come across them, they wouldn't do anything bad to you. It, you'd just be saddled with the knowledge as they ran out the door. You'd be saddled with the knowledge that they've been in your house right? watching you for months. And it's so it's so weird to think about. Like everyone thinks about, you know, oh, if someone came in and attacked me or stole uh-huh. things or whatever. Like these things where you're like, I would feel so violated. Yeah. But the idea that someone else is in your space and you don't know that they are there would also leave me feeling so violated. Yeah, definitely. And with with like no recourse. Yeah. I mean, I know it's against the law. Like Maybe, but how would you ever find that person? And oh, yeah. And also, there's this thing of like, but they didn't actually do anything. Like, right. And they obviously needed it real bad. Right. So you're a bad person if you go after them. Yeah. It puts you in it. Well, it puts me in like this kind of moral quandary where I understand like it's not okay what they're doing, but also I'm like, but is it really that bad? Especially if they're not doing things like, like there's the violation of someone comes in and sets up cameras and then leaves and they're watching you or they're like using footage of you for nefarious reasons. But if someone comes in, all right, here's a thing for all of our listeners to think about. And I know they're going to think I'm crazy asking this question. Like, I know that everyone's going to be like, um, this is an easy question to answer. But, like, really think about it. If someone sneaks into your house and you have no idea that they're there and they are not doing anything, like, they're not peeking at you, you know, when you're in the shower. They're not being creepy. They're just... <laughs> Extra creepy. Right. They're not doing anything a roommate wouldn't do, a a decent roommate wouldn't do. In fact, they're probably being even better than a decent roommate because they're cleaning up after themselves. Yeah, they're not going to leave any mess. There's no sign that they are there, which means that they must be replacing, like every once in a while, they must be like replacing a roll of toilet paper or, you know. I don't know. If you just don't use too much, I feel like I guess. you just get away Or like with only it. eating like a little bit of leftovers. So you, you're like, I really thought I had more leftover spaghetti than this. Yeah. But they're not like eating all of it. They're not taking all of your food and leaving you without any. Like they're not doing anything that hurts you. Mm-hmm. Is that really a bad thing? How bad is that bad thing? It's just that violation of your privacy. It's that privacy that people value so much. And I think it's also, I think there's something even more than that. Because literally you have your privacy. Like you don't know anyone else is there. They're not doing anything. They're not like coming into your bedroom at night and peeing on your bed. (laughs) No. So Because we're going to get into the fact that this movie is not that example. Like that's not what's happening. But like... If they're not doing anything to actually violate your privacy other than existing when you don't know they exist, is that really a bad thing? I mean, it's that it's it's that violation of perimeter. It's that yeah. personal space. Like yeah. and even even if they're not peeping on you or whatever, like one thing I have this terrible fear of is, you know, 
singing in the car, singing in the shower. If somebody in another car like sees me doing that and realizes I'm doing it, I'm like, oh, oh that didn't happen. Oh. If someone in another car sees you singing in the shower, it's really upsetting. <laughs> That's the worst. <laughs> That's the worst. Also, it's bad because then I have to replace the wall that they drove through. Right. <laughs> but uh, no, I know. I see there's what you're that. Saying. Yeah. And it, just that they were around you and you were acting in a way that you act when you don't think anyone's around you. Right. That's upsetting. I think there's also the additional violation of people feel violated when something that impacts them or is really closely connected to them ends up not being true. Mm. Yeah. You know, like, like that I should have known that, but I didn't because we're so tied up in like, what we know and how we're responding to what we know and how we're behaving based on what we know. You know, it makes me think of how one of the reasons, like I have this rule with my parents where they have to tell me within a certain amount of time, if they've like been in the emergency room Mm -hmm. or like for certain, there's a set level of medical emergency that they're required to tell me about. Yeah. And part of it is like, I want to know and I want to do what I can to take care of them and all of that. But there's a small part of it that is like, I don't want to find out after the fact that I was like goofing around <laughs> when you were in yeah, the emergency room I get that. on your deathbed. Like, I don't want that to be the thing. Like, there's a level of guilt that comes with, even if I had no idea if I wasn't behaving appropriately, then that like there's a bad feeling about that. And I think that's sort of what you're talking about too. Yeah. If you aren't behaving the way you would behave if you knew someone was around, it's yeah. a violation. It's a, just a mental pain. Yeah. It's very difficult. Yeah. Okay. So setting aside this like sort of philosophical quandary that this movie sets up, Let's dig into what actually happens in this movie, which is the first half, we're watching a family, husband, wife, teenage son, who are clearly in crisis. Very bad. Because wife cheated, son found out, dad is mad, like, there's all this family drama happening. And at the same time, there's community drama because these boys are going missing. Yes. Like, teenage boys are being abducted. Just like they were years and years ago. Indeed. Much like last week's episode. Uh Uh-huh. It's one of those serial killer in one decade comes back and starts doing the same serial killer thing decades later. Yeah. And dad happens to be the police officer who is part of the investigation of these crimes. Yes. And son happens to be the exact same, like, not the exact same age, but like the age of these kids that are being abducted. Yeah. Uh, apparently not, no, because, I mean, he's a teenager, and oh, we know 10. that he's 10, and teenagers don't hang out with 10-year-olds, we learned during the course of this movie. That's true. But he's still, like, you know, they have this fear that, you know, oh, we have a, te- we have a son. Yeah. What, so ha- they're what being if something happens to him? Overprotective. Well, protective. And he's being resistant because he's a teenager and because he's... Mad at his parents, especially his so mom. So mad. And his mom is a therapist or counselor. Yeah, a bad one. A bad one. Like everyone in every movie. <laughs> I think the thing is, in these movies, in these horror movies where someone in the family is a counselor, like, counselors can be really good at helping other people and are can be just terrible at helping themselves. I think that True. is a, a 
reality thing. And then in these movies, we often see the, they cannot function within their own lives kinds of counselors. Mm -hmm. But so I don't know if she's, I don't remember if she's actually connected to these crimes in any way. Like if she was therapizing any of anyone who was related to it or not. I don't think so. Yeah. I don't think she had any real involvement. So while they're in this distressed situation, weird things start happening. Like Uh all their silverware goes missing Uh and, pictures they have the they have a ridiculous number of family pictures along their staircase and some of those have disappeared Uh and it's like what's going on yeah and i want to say they're kind of presenting it like potentially haunting because at one point like the tv turns on on its own and is showing the news about Uh these kids being abducted which is like a kind of a stab in the face which okay i want to talk about that again later i want to come back to that but yeah all of these so it's like is it a haunting is the kid messing with his mom because she's he's mad at her i mean that's definitely a possibility is the dad messing with the mom because he's mad at her is the mom messing with both of them because she's psychotic and (laughs) like is gonna kill them both and run off with her lover like there were so many different possibilities that i i kept watching i'm like okay which of them isn't in the room right now like who could have set this up like what's going on and and through the whole first half i'm like everyone is lying to everyone like i didn't trust any of them saying what was going on because like one of you is lying and i don't know who yeah i i feel like the idea that it's a haunting is kind of out the window right away just because of what's happening like the silverware gets taken and and then reappears in the dryer well that happened way later though yeah but it gets taken and the there was the cup on the roof the thing is it can all be explained not in like a rational way but like okay well the teenage boy must be sitting out on the roof or Mm-hmm. You know, maybe the guy who came to fix the window stole our silverware. Yeah, I don't that's know why, what they thought. but I guess that must be what happened. That's the only reasonable explanation because they don't think they're being haunted. No, they never really go there. And it, the movie does not like I've seen movies, you know, where it turns out it's people and they kind of really push it in a supernatural direction and it feels supernatural. And this didn't really do much of that. It's you get the impression that this is the real world and somebody's messing with somebody. Right. But who is the question? And why? And how is this all going to end up? And I had so many theories. And then halfway through, we're suddenly at the beginning of the movie again. What? Watching these two completely new characters sneak into this couple's house. Whoa. And they're talking about, they're introducing the concept called frogging, which is where someone houses themselves by leapfrogging from pad to pad secretly. The girl says like generally four or five days in a house because longer than that, you're likely to get caught. Yeah. And that could be a thing. And she's teaching the guy how to do it. And he's like recording because he's making a documentary. So suddenly we're in like this found footage style Sort of. Briefly. Yeah. And so that kind of answers that question. Right? So now we're like, oh, all of the things are because there's a person. like, And we start seeing from their perspective all of the events that happened. We're like, oh, the guy sits out on the roof and puts a, leaves a coffee cup out there. Yeah. It, I feel like all of this 
you know, it's a big revelation when it first starts, and you're like, oh, these people have been living here. But then for a significant amount of time, it's just like, yeah, okay, yeah, they did this, they took the silverware, they did the thing. And, and there's an edge to it because the girl who's Mindy, who's staying there, is fine. She's trying to just hide and do it right. And she's constantly in conflict with Alec, who's dead set on making this a weird experience for the owners of the house. Legitimately, he's like, if you're not messing with them and making them question their sanity, what is even the point? Yeah. So then you're like, oh, this is going to get bad. Mm -hmm. Especially because we've already seen somebody get murdered, I guess. He gets smacked in the head with a baseball bat. And we don't know who did it. Right. Because at one point in the first half, the guy mom cheated with shows up and he's not picking up on social cues. Like, it makes you wonder, what is he up to? Is he the bad guy? What is he on? Right. And he ends up getting a coffee cup dropped on his head, Mm -hmm. which causes a wound, which then she's like, well, I can't call the... I can't take you to the hospital right now. My son's in the hospital, blah, blah, blah. She hides him in the basement with a head wound and is like, I'm taking my kid to school. I'll be back. And while she's gone, he gets murdered. Suspicious. Right. And so there's that edge to it, but mostly it's just like, okay, well, that answered that until the reveal, the next big reveal, which is that the guy who killed the cheater man is not Alec. Like, it's not the son who we suspect at first. It's not Alec who we suspect after we realize (laughs) the two people are there. It's actually Greg, the husband who's been cheated on. Yes. And that's just the first revelation out of these revelations. And then he is totally gaslighting the wife. Yeah. Who didn't tell anybody because at first she was like, I think my kid did it. Mm -hmm. And then he's like, if our kid did this, like we have to do, this is your fault for bringing him into our life and blah, blah, blah. And so like he, so, so now dad, who's a cop is also like, Helping her hide this murder that he did, making her think that their son did it. So already we're like, ooh, this dad is Making her feel real bad about it. Yes. And then there's it gets really chaotic where the two that are in the house are trying to escape from the house, but they're stuck because all their stuff was hidden away in the basement where they can't get to. And, like, there's all these things that keep happening, and now they're starting to get caught. People are starting to realize they're there and trying to get them, and they're fighting with each other. Yeah. And Alec pushes Mindy down the stairs. Oops. That's the first time she gets knocked unconscious. Right? So then ends up in the car. Yeah, he was going to drive her away in the car, but then they pull right in as he's starting to start the car. And then Greg gets in the car. And drives the car away with her in it, and she wakes up and escapes from the car, only to realize that she's out in the middle of the woods by an RV that is a new reveal to all of us, Mm -hmm. that has (gasps) 10-year-old boys trapped in closets. Oh, no. And so now, not only is Greg a murderer and a gaslighter and a terrible person, he's also a serial killer. And what's more... There's a guy in prison for the original series of these murders. Yes. And they make a point of, well, clearly he's guilty. He had a trunk full of these Swiss Army knives, which are the symbol of the serial killer. Uh-huh. And he was a convicted pedophile. 
Uh-huh. Something maybe a cop could have figured out and stuffed his trunk full uh-huh. of Swiss Army knives. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, this guy is like a walking, talking poster for ACAB. Yeah, he's a problem boy. Yeah. But there's one more final little twist. There is a twist. Because why? What weird coincidence made it so that Alec chose this particular house? I have a question, but yes. Because Mindy had said she would teach Alec how to do the frogging thing and let him pick the house. And he picked this house. And like weird coincidence that crazy Alec decided to mess with someone who turned out to also be crazy and a murdering serial killer. Hmm. Weird coincidence. Until. Until. It is revealed that Alec was one of the victims who got away. <gasps> and we know this because there's a flashback where he's talking to the cop who gives him a Swiss Army knife, a green Swiss Army knife. And also, like, where he's talking to a kid, because obviously Alec is 10 in the flashback and he's like 20, obviously. Like, some, I mean, he's something older mm-hmm. in the mo- you know, the current time. But. The kid has a little green frog Pez dispenser in his pocket. Uh, Yoshi. Whatever. Which also Alec, grown-up Alec, eats Pez from while he's hiding yes, in the house. Yes, that helps. That helps us identify. Yeah. So, yeah, Alec has been seeming real psychotic, and he won't tell Mindy about it, but really it's just that he wanted to cause problems for this guy, and in the end, he gets to kill him, which is probably nice. Yeah. Does he end up dead as well? No, he he could be, but I mean, he gets s- taken to the hospital alive. Okay. Because we see him getting loaded into the ambulance, and I'm like, yeah. I can't tell if he's alive or dead, because well, he wasn't blinking. In the movies, if they're dead, there's a blanket over their face. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. That's the rule. I mean, I sort of think that's the rule in real life, too. Maybe. If he was dead, they would have covered his face before they... Yeah. But then what if it turned out he's alive and now he's choking on fibers? That's not good. Yeah. So no one is who you think they are except the teenage son and the cheating wife. Like, they're just who they are through the whole movie. But they are surrounded by people who are doing... Crazy things. Yeah. You get to wonder about them along the way. Like, oh, are they? But yeah, turns out they are. Oh, yeah. For the whole first half of the movie, I was sure it was one of the two of them was doing something. Was going to end up being the bad guy. And nope, they were just exactly who they said they were. Okay. Now that we have put it all out there, we've got all the facts in place. I want to note that this killer killed a bunch of people 10 years ago and then stopped. Mm-hmm. Because he was, quote, arrested. Mm-hmm. Lovely. Now suddenly he's killing people again. You know what? His wife just cheated on him, and he's feeling a little stressed out, and he needs some relief. I mean, I sort of feel like, given my extensive knowledge of serial killers, yes, based entirely on fictional works about serial killers. Which this is. Yes. I do feel like like the norm is it's very rare for a serial killer to actually stop doing what they're doing. And the fact that he stopped for yeah. as long as he did is pretty I don't want to use the word impressive because that like <laughs> has a not the right connotation, but like it's it's unusual 
that he was able to stop for as long as he did. And I think you are absolutely right that this like stressor pushed him past what he was capable of doing in terms of self-control. Yeah, I I definitely thought that. And the other thing, well, this isn't really an other thing, but it was fun when he's going, watching this for a third time, which (laughs) felt like a second time, I got to notice some things like when the cops are going to interview the other boy who got away, his partner does the interview and he stands way back. He's keeping his distance. And the reason the boy starts freaking out and going, no, 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 is because he sees his attempted murderer right there. That's the whole thing. But that boy is so messed up from yeah. what happened to him that nobody like thinks anything of him having a freak out. He freaks out all the time. Yeah. <gasps> oh, that was yeah. a really cool thing to see on a repeat watch. Uh-huh. And also the other thing I was noticing on a repeat watch was a lot of the shots in the first half of the movie are from the point of view of the people hiding in the house, or I guess just Alec, because he's the one who sneaks around. And you'll see like people having a conversation, and it's like shooting them from out the doorway looking in, and the wavy kind of camera. It's interesting. I did not notice that. There's stuff that like interesting. that. I mean, it's, it's cleverly done. Yes. That's the thing. Like, there is a lot of cleverness to it, and... So like going back to the beginning when you're when you say this is not a very memorable film. It's clearly not because we both forgot that we had seen it. Yeah. But also there's so much interest to it and it really is. Like when you finish watching it and said this is a solely movie, like you have to watch this. It's got all the solely parts. It has all the things. So it's kind of shocking that an entire half of the movie, not only did I not remember having seen it, like just in what is this movie about? I watched the first half of the movie <laughs> and it did not trigger anything. Yeah. There was nothing about it that I well, was like, I've seen this before. It wasn't until the second half and that first twist happened and I was like, oh, this is not only a movie I've seen, it's a movie I think about regularly. And I was watching it a couple nights ago and I was like, None of it. I was just like, this is really interesting. Soli yeah. should see this. Yeah. All the way through to the very end. I never even realized. That's that's very weird. Yeah. That's very weird. Except when I was like 10 minutes into the movie, I, I was watching back in the bedroom because it was Halloween, I believe. And I was enjoying scary movies while you were doing something dumb out here. And I came out here. I paused my movie and came out here and was like, do you remember a movie where a kid gets yanked off a bike like he's being abducted by aliens? And so and, that happens in here. And my response was, absolutely not. <laughs> I would remember that. Yeah. And I was like, I know I've seen that. But like, I thought it was some other movie mm-hmm. I had seen recently. And I was like, what is that? That's the only thing that triggered anything. That's funny. There's a scene early in this movie where... Greg notices that his son has like a bruise on his cheek and he's like, oh, you've been getting in fights. And it's kind of a classic macho scene where, you know, the kid's like, oh, yeah, I got in a fight with some kids and I beat them up and hooray for me. And like he's feeling good about it. And his dad's like, you know, he's like, oh, how did they turn out? And the kids all, oh, one of them cried. And he's totally smiling about it and feeling really good, which is a psychotic thing to do to be delighted in someone else crying. Sure. 
and it fits like standard macho-ness, but also throughout the movie, Connor is very over-the-top nasty, which is totally legit for a teenage boy, but also makes sense if he's inherited his dad's psychosis. Right. Like, it, it fits as a macho scene, but it also fits as they're both psychotic. Right, that not only is there the nature, but also probably a little bit of nurture yeah. in having a dad who's a serial killer, even though they didn't know. Yeah, just in the way his personality is and yeah. how he acts. Yeah, that's a good point. That is a good point. So you noted that Alec got to choose the house, and they make that clear. It feels like it's a pointed statement. Yes. Which definitely means that he knew all along that this was the house for whatever reason. Maybe he saw something on the news about the new investigation. But there are points in the movie where it seems like Alex suddenly realizes. Like there's a point where he's walking around the house at night filming and he films the dad on the couch. And this could just be him going, haha. But he zooms into his face and it's like... It's supposed to be this creepy moment of, oh, no, the creepy guy's in the house getting so close to you. But what it really is, is him going, this is the face. I recognize this guy. Yeah. I mean, it could be, but I think it also reads just as well as, like, I know this is the guy and I'm here. Like, I'm going to get this guy. Yeah. This, I'm here. Now I'm the one that's in charge. There's like a, a flip. Alec is weird throughout their whole stay but he seems like chipper and cheery and then later he kind of goes turns real dark and psychotic seeming maybe and, it felt more like a slide to me yeah and, which in my mind works because he is now like the more time he spends in close proximity to this trauma that happened to him like the more the harder it gets for him to stay yeah. in control but it could be either way. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's whatever. The point is, it happened. Yes. So the thing I wanted to come back to, though, is you mentioned that at one point the TV comes on on its own. So Alec finds like all of their passwords up on the fridge or something like yeah. that somewhere. And he downloads an app so that he can control the TV from his phone, which is like a fairly common thing these days we do that yeah we do but then when he's and so he's then he's messing with the wife with the mom by turning the tv on when she doesn't you know she's like i don't understand how this is happening but like you pointed out he turns the tv on at exactly the time when it's talking about the crime (laughs) which is so unlikely no that's how tvs work in movies no even if he was like okay my best chance of having something about the crime coming on would be if I turn it on during the news and I knew that know the news is on during this hour. <laughs> he still has like a 90% chance of turning it on during a, you know, Charmin commercial or something. Yeah, those bears. Ugh. Bears. I hate, I hate those bears. bears. <sighs> Stupid bears. It was it it they explained it, but also it's a thing where I was just like, nah. I'm telling you, that's the rule of TV and movies. It yeah. will always be on the right thing. Yeah, always. I feel like it's a matter of theme, artistry. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you you can't just be showing random TV. You have to show something that enforces the overall message and story, and that's you know, it caused her some trauma. So it it made sense. Right, right. Rain 
Once I realized that we had seen this movie, I was so sure that we had reviewed it already that I went back and looked. I was like, I I feel like we have already had a discussion about this movie. Yeah. It's not in the list, which is very weird. It feels kind of Mandela effecty to me. Yeah. Anyway, I'm glad that we get to review it now because this is definitely a movie that gets high ratings from me. Because it has all the things I like. It has twists and turns. It has unexpectedness. But it's not so obvious. There were lots of questions put forth. But in a way where I was like, I truly do not know which of these people is going to end up being the bad guy. And I am very invested in finding out which of them. And then to have it be none of them, (laughs) but not in a way that made me feel betrayed. Well, and twist, one of them was the bad guy. Right, and then back to, oh, it turns out it was one of them, but it was the one you least suspected. (laughs) Like, it was done very, very well. Also, like, I liked the acting. I liked, like, just the way it was made was easy to watch. And the fact that, the fact that it has a thing, that this movie created a fear in my brain Mm-hmm. A real fear in real life that I regularly think about. Fear of frogs. And that I literally have to make myself not think about too much because I could see myself becoming that person who like every time we came home, I'd have to go <laughs> in the attic and just make sure that there was nobody in there. Yeah. And like walk around the house opening every single closet door just to be sure. Because if you don't do those things, how do you know? How do you? And it's a real enough fear. It's that, totally like, possible. I get stuck in this place where part of me is like, mm, it's crazy that you're thinking that could happen. But also there's a part of me that's like, it's a little crazy that you're not taking more precautions. <laughs> yes. So I feel like that's kind of a win for a horror movie. And it's impressive that this movie did it because this movie isn't really that much of a horror movie. Yeah, it's... it's I mean... Yeah. It's, it's really more Right, it's really more of a thriller. Yeah. But I would definitely categorize it as horror because it created a horror for me. All of that being said, I am going to give this movie 4 escaped hamsters out of 5. Okay. And I just I do want to say though I'm giving it a lot of credit for the second half and for how amazing it is in the second half because the first half of this movie probably would have gotten a two from me because it was slow and there was a point where the note that I made was the ratio of questions to answers is off. (laughs) Like there are too many questions and I have not gotten enough answers to make me trust that they're going to answer the questions. You should have trusted. But the fact that they did answer the questions and then some made up for it. I'm not docking any points, but I do want to say it is real slow in the first half. You got to get through it, but the back half is worth it. Well, they had me in the first half, not going to lie. <laughs> because okay, Mr. Meme. Because it did keep throwing in all these questions. And I, I like slow stuff too. And that's what I'm a sucker for is you give me these questions. I'm always mad at the end of the movie that they didn't answer them. But I'm like, oh, they're definitely going to answer these. I'm a total sucker. And I think that's the thing. We have been betrayed in that sense by so many poorly made movies. Almost every movie. (laughs) That when I see when I start getting too excited about, ooh, so many questions and I can't figure it's not predictable enough. I don't know how this is going to (laughs) go. And I start getting excited. I immediately am like, be careful. 
You're about to be disappointed. Yeah. That worked for me. It definitely grew on me. Like I was sitting watching this. It's so weird to watch movies by myself. I don't like it. I was just sitting in bed watching this movie and it was like, I was like, "Eh, I'm watching a movie. It's no big deal. And then like, as it went on before it got to the big twist, I was hooked in. Like I was getting more and more hooked over time. So it did start out slow for me, but it kept bringing more and more questions and you know it had me thinking about different theories about what what it all could be mm-hmm. and that is fun did any of your theories get anywhere near how it ended up i don't remember just like everything about this movie there might be some kind of subliminal messaging in this movie that makes you forget it <laughs> yeah which i would complain about except that it's a great movie so experiencing it for the first time all over again was fine i mean that's pretty weird though that's not what you want with a movie they shouldn't do that i here's the thing though i I can't blame this movie for that really it should be concerning that (laughs) we were able to watch this movie twice without any yeah any understanding that that's what we were doing but also I have had a couple of experiences where I was sure that I had seen something or I was sure I hadn't seen something only to be proven conclusively that I was wrong. Yeah. So I don't know. I just don't trust my brain. Well, that's a shame. Okay. I'm going to give this movie five hamsters out of five. Five. I told you to give it a five plus and you didn't. So I'm very mad. Wow. I'm giving it five. Wow. I don't think it's the best movie of all time, but it, there's nothing wrong with it. It's doing something that I have not really seen. I really enjoy, I've seen this somewhere, but not much, the device where you see the movie and then it jumps back to the mm-hmm. beginning and you see it all again. Mm-hmm. Like that can be really cool and they did it really well here. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I was excited. I also, I, I think that... It does the thriller thing really well. And I am a sucker for thrillers. And I'm always looking for new thrillers to watch. And then I'm disappointed because they're too predictable. (laughs) And I'm like, ugh, every movie, it's always the same. This is how it's going to go. And then I'm not, there's no suspense for me because I know how it's going to end. Yeah. And this one didn't give me what I expected in any of the things that I created. Yeah. Which then made it feel more like earlier thrillers. It's like movies like Dial M for Murder or Double Jeopardy or like some of those old like ones that I really, really enjoy. And I'm always looking for more, but they don't make them that well most of the time. Yeah. So or or there's just not, you know, I think there's just not as many of those thriller, that kind of thriller movie being created, that like family drama thriller that then has an unexpected ending. And it was nice to get something like that. Yeah, there was a certain element of lifetime original movie to this, which yes. is not a selling point, but still. Okay, but here's the thing. It kind of is a selling point <laughs> for me because it's sort of, I think maybe sort of like we talked about last week, there's some, uh, there's a sort of like, this is so ridiculous. It's not really real. Yeah. And so then I can kind of let go of real world <laughs> stress and just enjoy the story. And this... I think did that, except that it also created a real world stress. Very much so. So <laughs> not that. All right. Well, that was a fun one. And now we're at the end. I'm and sorry. And it is time to go. And I think I'm going to go check a few closets. Who knows? We might watch this movie again next week. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> See you guys later.
warning. Cat alarm. <laughs> You're so cute. Come here.